Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. The legendary and outstanding play-by-play voice of the Steelers, Bill, welcome. It's so great to have you back. Good to be with you, Steve. I'd rather be in Buffalo than in Kansas City, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and that's the first time I ever heard that <laughs> in January. I know. It probably will never happen again, but uh, they're talking about global warming. I don't think that's a great example of it. No, I, I would not put that up before. here. Hey, here's this one. Check it out. I want to start with Mason Rudolph. You've called every snap of his career. So my observation leading into a question will be from 30,000 feet. But it just seems to me in watching him, he seems like a calmer version in the pocket of Mason Rudolph. Yes or no? Well, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, he first of all, as a veteran of that many years in the league, even though many of those moments were spent watching rather than receiving snaps, um, he understands what it takes to be a winning quarterback. And you know what? I've always said, don't beat yourself. You know, there are a couple of examples of very average quarterbacks winning Super Bowls. Uh, I don't have to name names, but we know who they are uh, because they didn't beat themselves. And I think he knows that, understands it perfectly. And, uh, you know, I I watched him as a junior and a senior at Oklahoma State. Uh, He destroyed, he and James Thomas destroyed Pitt the one year. And then the other year they won the game as well, but he wasn't as great. But I knew he had great potential, and I was happy they drafted him. Well, look, it's not as if I haven't been around Mike Yersich the last three years, who was uh, Mason's uh, quarterback coach and coordinator at Oklahoma State. He always told me great things about him. Uh, is he seeing the field better, and what has that offensive line meant to his ability to see the field? Well, and I think it's all a hand-in-glove thing. Uh, The offensive line has made him comfortable because he has the option of running the football, and it's not all all on him. Uh, They've run the football really well uh, the last part of the season. And, you know, I'm I'm on Mike Tomlin's bandwagon when he says, uh, you know, you have to run the football in December and January because of the elements. And uh, I think we're going to see an example of that on Sunday in Buffalo in uh, that hole in the farm up there in Orchard Park. And that's exactly what it is. It's, they dug a hole in a farm, uh, put stands in, uh, and that wind that comes in across the surface, but then it gets down into that bowl, and it can be nasty. Uh, you remember, and I think it might have been Harry Newsom, a uh, Steeler punter years ago, uh, hitting a negative punt. Yep. hitting the punt into the wind, and it ended up hitting behind him. I mean, and you're you're afraid of that, especially since, you know, uh, Presley Harvin III hasn't had the best of years. Uh, but I notice that the Steelers uh, uh, have, you know, put Brad Wing on the practice squad. So, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I have to ask you about no T.J. Watt, because he's been ruled out of this game. And it's not as if it's the first time they've ever had to play without him. But how do they compensate? Because there are certain players, I think, that benefit when he's out there that they get singled up instead of doubled or chipped. So how do they compensate without him out there? Well, you know, it, as we saw with the safety position, which was decimated this year, yeah. at outside linebacker, we have depth all of a sudden with Nick Herbig 
And Marcus Golden played his best game last week. He did. Uh, and so, you know, I think you have depth there. But you're going to miss T.J. Watt. Uh, the record speaks for itself. Their record without him is not very good. And, uh, you know, that, uh, that it's not one person who can take his place. It's going to have to be done by committee and also scheming. Uh, but fortunately, at that outside backer position, uh, you know, they can afford a hit, albeit as big as T.J. Watt. When I uh, had you on in the preseason, I asked you about Joey Porter Jr. and he said, "He said Steve, he'll play, but they'll work his he'll work his way in and then really play, and he can help." Now you've seen a full season of him. What has been your thought watching him play? He's the best shutdown corner we've had in quite a while, and uh, you know he his tackling he knows it's got to get better, but it's yep. pretty good right now. And uh, he's done a great job. So that'll be an interesting matchup on Sunday. Joey Porter Jr. and Stefan Diggs. Uh, that's who I'm sure he'll get as a, uh, you know, as a as a guy on the other side of the line. I'm not sure that Gabe Davis is going to play, but they still have other receivers. But you know, in that kind of weather, uh, I think the Steelers have to worry about Buffalo's ability to run. James Cook, four point seven. And guess who their second leading rusher is? Josh Allen, 4.7. So they're going to have to contain that part of it in order to have a chance to win. Josh Allen gave us the Josh Allen thrill ride on Sunday night. Three turnovers and then big plays. I mean, he is a thrill thrill ride. (laughs) Yeah, he is. And, you know, he's a gunslinger and he doesn't care. I mean, 18 interceptions is not something you write home about. Right. But, you know, when you... When you look at his rushing touchdowns uh, combined with his uh, passing touchdowns, I think that the number is 44, which is off the chart. Well, let me ask you, I mean, you've seen him, you've seen him play. I mean, what do you like about him, and what are a couple things that, if you were a Buffalo fan, would make you antsy? Uh, they have some designed runs for him, but he doesn't look to run. You know, he's looking downfield, and those eyes are downfield, and then he just has that knack for, it's time now, go. And, uh, boy, sometimes uh, uh, he can get loose in that secondary and be a load. And he's not easy to tackle because he's a big man. Uh, you know, he, he is a problem, and they're going to have to figure out a way to slow him down. There's no question about that. What about the tight end part of it? Thompson blocked well. We know Pat's been the better pass receiver. Then, conversely, Dalton Kincaid out of Utah and Dawson Knox. In a game in conditions, and considering the kind of routes that tight ends run, how important can they be in this game on Sunday? Yeah, they can be important, but again, you know, are you going to, on a windy day in Buffalo with maybe some snow flurries or snow showers, are you going to live and die with the passing game? I doubt that. But yes, they are blessed at tight end, and uh, Kincaid is the the, the real threat because he's not, you know, the prototype uh, tight end as is Dawson Knox, he's more of that flex tight end, that you know, yeah. big receiver, and uh, yeah, he's somebody you have to pay attention to. Yeah, uh, but I mean, again, uh, yeah. I think we have to uh, stop the running game or slow it down, and then uh, make Josh Allen throw the ball, and then hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, because obviously Kincaid was on that Utah group that Penn State played last year in the Rose Bowl, so I mean, you know, I, you know, you see how good he is, and this guy, okay, in high school. Didn't even play two years of high school football. He's like, okay, I'll take it up. Then he went to the University of San Diego. Really interesting route to get there. What's made <laughs> What's made Harris and Warren 
effective in conjunction with the offensive line? I think the phrase thunder and lightning applies two different styles of running. Um, you just love the way Jalen Warren hits the hole. You love the way he spins. and he's, he's got great balance. I'm sure if he wanted to be a great golfer, he could be a great golfer <laughs> because of that great balance. Uh, and Najee, well, you have to do deal with Najee, not only his obvious physical talent, uh, change of direction, uh, strong legs, but you have to deal with his uh, demeanor. And I've noticed the last six games he has run angry. And you got to love that because he, he doesn't want to run around you. He wants to meet you and knock you down. And I think, you know, his stiff arm can be devastating. Uh, you know, I just, just love the way he's come in uh, to this part of the season as, I think, one of the top running backs in the whole game. Isaac Ciamolo has not allowed a sack all season. I mean, and I know you're following the ball, Bill, but you're also, you see enough video and so forth. What's made him really good inside? Uh, he's got a an indomitable spirit. Uh, he wants to not only uh, block you, but he wants to embarrass you. And uh, I just love that. And, uh, and he also plays hurt. He was hurt last week, didn't practice, I don't think at all, and then played a fine game in Baltimore. Uh, so that's one of the best acquisitions that we've seen. And next to him is Dan Moore Jr. Dan has struggled. I see Pro Football Focus has him as the fifth lowest rated tackle in the league. He's allowed what fifty some pressures and uh, some a bunch of sacks. But um, you know, I think you worry about that position next year. You just do the best you can this year. And I think uh, having Samalo next to him has really helped him. Yeah, and he has been a heck of a player for him, no question. Uh, you talked about the secondary play. We mentioned Joey. Uh, what kind of job have they done for the most part holding up, considering they've had to put so many pieces together to make it hold up? Yeah, I think for a while, Steve, they were giving up the middle of the field too easily, yeah. and tight ends were feasting. And I think they've kind of you know cut that down recently. Uh, but it's something to watch for if Allen really tries to take advantage of the middle of the field. But having Casey back, I think, is tremendous. Uh, I know he's probably got a little rust to shake off, but uh, knowing him, he's probably uh, going to, you know, he's going to play above the line. Uh, and uh, I just, you know, I think Miles Killebrew jumped in there and did his best. Mm -hmm. uh, I love Eric Rowe. I hope he's going to be available this week. We'll. Uh, see the practice report later today. Uh, and Elijah Riley. So you're okay there. Now. I mean, uh, for as hard hit as that position has been injury-wise, you know, a lot of them have stepped up. You know Mike Tomlin as well as anybody. Veteran coach, been through it, won a Super Bowl. What does his intelligence and demeanor, what does that mean to a team that gets them to this point when a lot of people thought they might not get there? And, of course, the world is firing slings and arrows at him as he's doing it. You know, in his own quiet way, he demands respect. Um, yeah. uh, let's say compared to Bill Cower, who uh, would treat his players, you know, with a stiff arm, you, if you understand what I mean. I, I, know. I think Tomlin knows he doesn't have to do that. and And as a result, uh, he has their respect. Uh, I think they'd run through a wall for him. Uh, and I think if you talk to every one of them, they'd say that uh, he's the best coach they've ever had. 
and uh, you know all this elevator noise and uh, outside uh, interference that uh, had taken place when they were in that losing streak uh, it's kind of disappeared because I think everybody realizes this guy's one of the best coaches that you can have and uh, if you don't believe that let him go and see how quickly he's snatched up by somebody else you and I don't think that that's right. going to happen. And, and I, I've I, seen those rumors. Well, you know, and we live in this age of, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it used to be there were three television cameras at Chuck Knoll's news conference. Yeah. Uh, well, that has changed. And there's a lot more dot-coms. There's a lot more people involved. And, and uh, unfortunately, in my opinion, Steve, you know, the, the journalism part has slipped, and it's all about clickbait. And I don't like that. But it, it is what it is. But I think Tomlin is great at shutting that out and getting his players to do the same thing. See, that's it's one of the many things I admire about him. He just knows who he is. And that's okay. And it doesn't matter what somebody else says. I know who I am. I, it's just, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. My last question is going to be not about the Steelers, but about Pitt. I had the privilege of calling all of Paul Pozlesny's games at Penn State, and he ended up getting into the College Football Hall of Fame this week. Yes. You had the privilege of calling all of Larry Fitzgerald's games at Pitt. He is the 25th Pitt player to make the College Football Hall of Fame. What are your thoughts on seeing that and the kind of college player he was that you witnessed on an every Saturday basis? Every coach at every level of football should show his players Larry Fitzgerald's tapes, if only for one reason. He catches the ball in the end zone and he turns and hands it to the official. Yep. Act like you've been there before. And and I think that would be a great lesson. But unfortunately, because of the pressures of national TV highlights, you know, players get into the end zone and they got to do a dance and they got to do the synchronized swimming, I call it. And, you know, it... It's a shame, but, you know, he was the antithesis of what we see now in, in all of football. Uh, and what I remember of him as a player, uh, when the ball's in the air, he knew exactly where it was going to come down, better than anybody else on the field. Yep. And he always managed to be there when it came down. And with his, you know, strong hands and great leaping ability and all of the God-given physical gifts, uh, you know, it's no wonder that uh, – He's in the College Hall of Fame, and I think it's only a matter of time for Canton as well. Yeah, exactly. He'll get in Canton as well. But, you know, what a great privilege because you would have loved to have been sitting with me on the bus when Jack Ham was talking to the defensive players about what the draft used to be like. Oh, about a month after you get drafted, there's no combine or anything like that. They're all like their jaws all drop. Larry Fitzgerald's 40 time is reported at 463. Really? Okay, that's a football player, okay? I don't really need a watch to know he's great. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, when uh, James Harrison intercepted that pass in Super yep. Bowl forty-three, Larry Fitzgerald was showing you that he's faster than four six on a football field. <laughs> and he darn near caught him before yeah. he got to the goal line. Uh, you know, uh, again, Steve, give me – Give me uh, 22 good football players. I don't care what position they play. I'll win a lot of games. That's why Bill and I always get along so great. We always think the same way. Bill, thanks so much. Appreciate you. Hey, great broadcast on Sunday, and hopefully it's a great day for the Steelers. 
I'm taking a space heater just in case. <laughs> That's why you're a veteran. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. My best to your All great right, family. Steve. All right.